and I was thinking, because I was struggling, like, you know, I, I'm always wrote and some stories. So I was like, you know, why didn't I, I was, had this random idea, like, I want to add magic to the story. And once I added that element to it, it just, it kind of started coming together and somehow a mystery and a dead body popped in there. And the story is kind of just, just organically took shape as I started, like, doing the research, diving into the world and thinking how the, the magic and the mystery, like, works in that. Welcome to Beyond the Fourth Wall of Writing with your host, John Robinson IV. Here we smash walls, demolish writer's block, and learn how to harness the true power of storytelling. Let's get started. Nicole Glover is a speculative fiction author from Virginia. The Conductors was her debut novel, and she went on to create a sequel called The Undertakers. When she isn't sipping tea or spending time in a magical library, she's working as a UX researcher. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Beyond the Fourth Wall of Writing podcast. I am your host, John Robinson IV, and along with me is Nicole Glover. Hi, happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, glad to bring you on. Um, I was just I was just on Twitter ranting not too long ago about how much I like uh, conductors. So <laughs> uh, hopefully, some you know, some people did say, uh, "Yeah, this book looks cool. Let me check it out." So hopefully, some people you know, went and bought based on that. Uh, I, I try to do my due diligence and letting people know what I'm reading on. <laughs> it's always great to hear. Yeah. Regardless what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So like, uh, I mean, in, in, incredible alternate history story. Like I was just saying bef- before we got uh, started, incredible alternate history story, really like the magic system. Um, and, I, and I'm a big fan of magic systems. I like uh, Sanderson, Brandon Sanderson stuff, I'm sure. Um actually Sanderson actually has a Kickstarter that is like ending literally today if it hasn't already ended right. <laughs> where he, yeah where he like I guess he wrote four books on a whim I don't know mm, I guess so <laughs> yeah but uh but but yeah I, I only mentioned him because I know that he has a lot of magic systems and stuff in his books and stuff like that so like stuff like that and I'm just a fantasy fan in, in, in general and I like to write magic systems and my stuff so it's it's really cool to like open this book and, and see this very astrological based uh, system with the sigils and whatnot. Um, so, so yeah, we're, we're definitely going to hit on that a little bit. Um, but as usual, I'd like to start off by asking um, what, what writing advice, or what's your favorite piece of writing advice, whether it's from you or writing advice that you have had others tell you? Uh, I guess my favorite advice to give out to people is to always carry a notebook and pen or pencil or something, something you can write with basically. So you can always be ready to write. You know, inspiration doesn't like doesn't like have a, a schedule. Sometimes it pops up to you randomly. So it's always good to grab a notebook. And I always find my thoughts take more or have more room to take shape on a piece of paper instead of like typing in my phone or something like that. It's weird. Like it's I always feel like it's more rigid if I have to type notes to my phone. But pencil, pencil, notebook, pen, whatever. I'm I get I get the idea is flowing. So always carry a notebook and pen. Yeah, that's that's a good one. And like, it's funny because I barely ever use notebook and pen, but I keep yeah. on thinking like, maybe I should because I hear so many people saying, yeah, keep a notebook and pen on you. I do have Evernote on my phone. Yeah. I do have a little button where I can hit real quick that takes me directly to my writing idea oh, yeah. book. But uh, mm-hmm. there's something about paper and, and pencil that's like, you know, it has like a, like a certain magic to it, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's it's I guess it's separate from it's just the I guess it's the it goes back to how the brain works. Like it's I remember in college learning how people say like you know take notes by hand, take notes by hand is the best way to to memorize to keep remembering of things. It's the acts of writing, and mm. that's different than I guess how we type. I guess I guess you know the brain functions differently. I don't know, but it, I always find it really useful. I've filled up so many notebooks over the years, like so many notebooks I even have like favorite notebooks after a while <laughs> and stuff and found my own favorite pens which tend to be the cheap ones not I know not, not even though I, I do have like a, the fondness for like the look of aesthetics of fountain pens and inks I can never get into them because I just use these cheap pens so right. I guess it's the convenience and like I always have my all my bags have I always have the thin notebook I always have a bunch of pens some of them work some of them don't you know, I just, it's it just, it's just, it's just the best way for, I find for me to do like my, my thinking. Sometimes I write, I don't like write a lot of scenes longhand in the notebooks, 
but it's just mostly the outlining. It's the setting the scene. This or when I'm getting stuck, when I'm like typing up the big stuff, it just it's easier to go. I move to a notebook and just jot some stuff out. And then I get my brain working. Then I can go back to the computer and, and type away. Yeah, yeah, and, and and I think I mean yeah, I think there really is like I was saying like 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 a kind of magic to that, um, mm. like the way the brain works, like you said, um, and also aside from that, just the idea of being able to write things down, um, you know, even I guess I guess if I guess if somebody's listening and you don't have a notebook right now, you're like oh, I don't have a notebook yet or whatever or I prefer phone or whatever, yeah. still writing ideas as they hit you is is super powerful in my opinion um do you, do you ever write down do, do, do you ever write down ideas that you don't know where it's going to fit yet like it might not be a story oh, yeah. idea or oh yeah so know. many things I keep a I always have a list of like story ideas whether it's like a title or just a concept I draw it down you know just for another day because sometimes I can take inspiration for like another story or something else I'm writing or or something I really get just mostly just in the back of my mind it's it's also a way for me to compare to know that not be tempted to go into like chase these new bunnies of ideas too. Cause when I'm writing, especially when I'm writing something. But yeah, I always any any kind of idea or something that's called internet, I see social media or anywhere else. I just jot I I I, pl- I clip it to my Evernote and just leave it in the folder of like I literally call ideas. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I ruffle I rumble through them just to, later when I'm looking for a new story idea. And it's that it's all there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's powerful in and of itself, because I know a lot, a lot of new writers will say, well, where do you get ideas from? You know? Um, and it's like everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> you everywhere. Know? You know, it's something you see on the internet, conversations you overhear while you're walking in the park, you know, just mm-hmm. random stuff, like just a book you might see, or just sometimes just see a title of something, or I hear a lyric and music and like, oh, that sounds really cool. Or you see something that mm-hmm. just or like sometimes as you see, like you read something else, uh, like some, whether it's nonfiction, fiction, anything else, and there's some line that stands out to you. And be like, that's kind of cool. And you just kind of just, just plop it away and let myself think about it. And something might turn into something. It might not. Like I think of like seeds sometimes. Like there's seeds that they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I let them turn into seedlings. And they, they, they have like potential. I take them out and do something with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the idea of of seeds. I I I like seeds. Like sometimes I call them threads that you can pull on. You know. Um. You know. It can unravel into a into a, a full story. Um. Uh. And I, and I find sometimes like sometimes ideas, um, even if they're not a full story, sometimes they turn out to be a scene in a story. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Some, sometimes they sometimes they turn out to be a um like an element just like an element of a story I, I remember there was one time my aunt was telling me about these these bangles that 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 she wears on her arms and I never knew I always seen wear uh, see her wear them but uh she said well yeah this is my great-grandmother's this is my my mother's and these are you know my I think on her other are each of my sisters and I was like wow I didn't know there was like a story behind them you know mm-hmm. what I mean um and something like that even is something interesting that, uh, that I mean that's like you get ideas from real life like a character mm-hmm. in a book could have that you're you're drawing that from real life so that's where some of these interesting ideas may come from you know yeah. um but yeah yeah I I I, mean, I really like that advice write write things down uh I don't know how many times I've listened to people who say uh oh yeah I have a story idea and it's it's in my head mm-hmm. and I'm like oh no <laughs> <laughs> please write it down because you you yeah. will forget things uh oh yeah it's like I think I had a dream of a couple months ago just something random, something designing my wheelhouse. It was like I think it was like a like contemporary kind of kind of setting story. And mm-hmm. it was just a vivid dream. It's like, you know, that's really cool. So I just woke up, literally ran to get my notebook, which first it was at my desk, but said my nightstand like usually was. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I literally ran half 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 <laughs> asleep to get my notebook and just jotted down everything. Mm-hmm. And it's there. I've written it down. And I haven't I probably won't touch this thing for a while, but it's there, it's written down. And some elements right. might appear in a story, but it's is this there? <laughs> so, there's a comfort in that, right? Yeah. It's like a comfort in knowing mm-hmm. that you have this thing to refer to, like this book of ideas to refer yeah. to. You know, I think I also like it's for me. It's also like what's kind of coming on what's next. Like when I finish a project, I'm like, what's next? I always, I always like to be writing. I guess because mm-hmm. you know, just 
I just like to be working on something because I guess for some for for years before I got published, it's like you no know, writing was just my hobby of things. You know, I just enjoyed writing, so I always wanted to have something else to work on. So when mm-hmm. I finish up something, I want to have something to go on to. And having this list of ideas is basically for me like it's like a menu. Like oh, I could get this. I can write on this for a little bit. And so it's just it's like yeah, it's nice having that thing too. And also just it's also gives me time to practice because sometimes some of the ideas I write down might turn into like a short story. I'm still mm-hmm. I'm always trying to practice with short stories because I'm really bad at them or trying to get better at them, mm-hmm. I should say. And some of these ideas I I play around with them in short stories instead of like committing to like a full size you know right. novel or or whatever or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, some things work better as short stories too. Yeah. So it's like, uh, it's, I I think, I think it's good advice in general, because like some people may have the mindset of, well, that's not really strong enough to be a story. It's interesting, but it's not strong enough to be a story. It's kind of like, it might, (laughs) it might be a story. It might be a scene. It may be a short story. Like you you never know. Uh, If it's It's interesting, just write it down. Yeah. I think it's also talent, figure out what type, how the scale of the story is going to be. Mm-hmm. And that can, it's, it's funny, like, it's, a, it's more right, I'm more like, oh, this idea can carry out through a short, through an entire novel, because I can see subplots and mm-hmm. like other things going on, whereas some things are like, I know it's not big enough for, a, for like a whole full size novel, it can be something shorter, or I mean, maybe I don't have the steam to go with it the entire, <laughs> for an entire like length of a book, right. and stuff. So that, that's a skill set, I think, lots of it's it's that you have to kind of learn this by just pounding out all this all these different things and trying out different ways to write tell the story exactly exactly uh so i mean speaking about story uh and like you know writing jotting down these ideas and 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 whatnot did uh so conductors was that something that came from a an idea that was in a journal or what was what was the thread or (laughs) or the seed that that came from uh let's see um the seed for this is it's kind of two parts one i've always been interested in this part of this side this part of history the, the underground roller conductors the 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 reconstruction period afterwards and whatnot and originally it started out as a, a short story a, a, a short, plain old historical fiction i think is the characters of Hetty and benji were kind of there in that little snippet of a short story i started but I never went, it never went further than like a, a few paragraphs of a short story. I kind of got stuck because even though I knew I had this idea, this big idea of this underground world of conductors, I didn't know what to do with it basically until like I was out for a walk one day. <laughs> and I was like, and I was thinking because I was juggling, like, you know, I, I'm always writing bandits and stories. So I was like, you know, why didn't I, I was, had this random idea, like, I want to add magic to the story. And once I added that element to it, it just, it kind of started coming together and somehow a mystery and a dead body popped in there and the story is kind of just organically took shape as I started like doing the research diving into the world and thinking how the, the magic and the ministry like works in that and that's then that's just the starting seeds for me to I guess it let it bloom into a book right right and that's awesome I mean honestly that's a really good picture of how ideas come together sometimes because I think some people probably um, I, I know I have uh, get discouraged early in the early point of an idea, and it's like, oh well, this is this is nothing, you know. Like I, I there's I don't really have anything here, but I think it's maybe at first it, it it may be you know not strong enough by itself, but I think you stick with it, and then you just add things to it, and you like I, that's another thing about writing it down. If it's written down and it's you know it's there, you can refer to it whenever you want, and you can add things to it whenever you want. And you may look back at some point and realize, oh, this is actually bigger than it was when it started, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I like, I like hearing that, like how, like the process of that being built, <laughs> that's, that's really cool. And I really like the idea of, of it being called conductors and, and during this time, like the underground railroad thing, like um, that's really, that's really cool. I, I really liked that aspect. Um, but uh, the, so when you, when you added the magic to the story, um, I'm, I'm curious about uh, where you, uh, where you got the, uh, I guess this, the seeds of the, the magic system. Well, I guess this, the magic system was, I just liked to write about things I, I like. I liked astronomy, like astrology, all the stars. And that mm-hmm. was just a, I like the visual aspect of drawing, like, you know, drawing this, like star sigils and drawing the constellations. There's a, I like the visual component. It's like something it was a lot of fun with. And it's something a little bit different. 
And also in terms of world building, I wanted to have something that would fit organically within the world. Like that, because I like to have the idea that what they call social magic was a magic kind of created out in the plantation from different from different sources, kind of from kind of reflecting the people that who who were there. Basically, they took up different traditions from from uh, that was kind of lost when they when they were brought brought to the to, brought to the U.S. and they kind of created something new. And I want and I, I had the idea that the, the stars are kind of consistent; they're kind of there, mm-hmm. and they can they use that as the foundation for things. And I incorporated like the celestial magic also as like an umbrella that includes things like you know potions and like I call it candle candle magic and things like that and there's a potential mm-hmm. a hint at the potential of like other ways of like using like music and things like that to kind of as a part I was all a part of that things and that was like one side of things I wanted that to be the main system but I also I, I'm also in general I like the idea that that everyone in the world can do magic because I see so many fantasy stories always like this select group of people or this bloodline or this was a specific subset of people who can only do magic I wanted to see what it would look like if everyone did magic Right. And so I added sides. So I, you know, I mentioned I bring other 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 systems in there as other as a con- as a contrast. The biggest one being the sorcery, which is the kind of traditional, you know, the wands and the mm-hmm. and the, like the incantations and spell books and more rigid is a is a more rigid contrast. The celestial magic, which is kind of more organic, naturalistic feel, and hint right. at like there's other systems around the world based on cultures and whatnot. Because I had the idea that it's the magic and everyone can do magic but it just takes on different forms like how we have different languages and religions and things like that right right wow yeah thinking of magic in in terms of languages is really really cool um and yet i did note i did note especially like you said with the sorcery um versus the celestial style magic um there was uh i I noted the contrast and um and, and i like how the uh uh how can i say without spoiling <laughs> how one of the characters in a story uh who was using sorcery was not as adept as is mm-hmm. you know another character in the, in, the, in yeah. the story who's using uh who's, who's also using sorcery and 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 then it shows you know mm-hmm. um <laughs> it shows and then other characters kind of like oh this is what you this is where you learn that from but you're not really as as honed as this other person is yeah, you know it was a big thing to me. It's for different skill levels. Everyone's like, it's like, it's, you know, it's learning languages, learning a skill like art or dance. Everyone can do it. Yes, some people have to put more practice in it. So they have more, mm-hmm. they can more, they can do more things, basically. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And I really like the, I, I like the idea of, I mean, don't get me wrong. The, the, the anomaly thing is cool and everything too, the chosen one type construct. Yeah. But um, I really like skill too. Like, I, I really like the idea of, oh, I put in work to, to be able to yeah. do this like this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and the, the art, like like Hetty, uh, her her artistry is is like you kind of like see it with the with the uh, the uh, flashbacks with her when she was weaving dresses when she was younger and she was uh, or weaving magic into clothing in general mainly dresses but clothing in general um, and I, and, I, and I like that 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 seemed like a very uh, I don't know the word for it. Um, like a, like a very pure way to use magic, you know. Um, like it's not it's, it was non combative or anything like that. It was just a very very much like a like an art, you know. Yeah. Um, and then but then you see when she's older, uh, she's also like one of the most skilled. <laughs> yeah. So I really like that. Um, <laughs> and we'll kinda, tell you that she's skilled. Right, right, right. Uh, especially since like, especially since it's like she it's, it's it was so natural for her she practiced mm-hmm. it for so long doing you know the dresses and clothing and stuff like that so yeah it's it's, it's really cool um so i want to i want to dive into a little bit with uh you know we talked about the, the magic systems and and i mentioned the name hetty already so um <laughs> there's a there's, there's a lot of characters in this book hetty being the, the main character hetty and Bidgey. um but uh like i really like um I really like the dynamic first between, well, I kind of want to talk about the dynamic between um, Hetty and Benji a little bit. Um, and you can kind of elaborate on the kind of uh, uh, relationship they have and how that relationship came to be versus like your regular uh, romance. Cause I think it was very unique. And then if you want to elaborate on that a little bit and then also how you build interesting romantic relationships. Okay, I, 
but I can't see claim too much about claiming building relationships. Like, even though I love romance, romance and stories, I'm not, I'm not a romance writer. So, mm-hmm. so I take, yeah. I like having, I love, I love, I do, I do love having love stories and, mm-hmm. and things. I guess it shows interesting dynamics and things like that. And for me, a part of the fun with writing a dynamic between Hedy and Benji was take, taking it like a different approach. I loved seeing power couples, seeing people to work together from like from the start. Cause that's, to me, that's like the end, end point of most romance stories the part where I want to start. You know, I want to see them like taking on the world together just dealing with problems, whether it's like big world changing stuff to like small, you know, we have to go to this party together that we don't want to go to basically. All those things, all those things in between. And with Teddy and Benji, I I like the I really like the idea that they you know, had a long history, a long history together of just of different ways of working together, whether it's partners doing underground roller conductor work, to like uh, to solving to going to solving mysteries together, to to being married being for most for social purposes mostly, and their interaction with the friend groups. And I mean, it's, so you have like I think you have you see, I want to I want to share that rich history and and show how the, there's a there's some of a comfortability they have with each other for, for the relationship but also see like how a death of a close friend can just alters alter so many things in their lives also makes them rethink rethink about what the trajectory they want their lives to be basically and have that reflect in there but at the core of things it's just two people who could get each other who are basically partners who it's basically decided that they they're the ones have each other's back for everything and it was a lot of fun writing that with both the conductors and doing a lot more fun with that and, and the undertakers as well. I think if you want to go with tropes like that you would associate with romance wise, I think the com it would be commonly called I guess the marriage of convenience, so to speak. But mm-hmm. mostly because it's just because they they you know they go with age into the relationship together, being friends and saying this works best socially if we're together because we can't do the mysteries, the fun mystery solving we like to do without you know people wagging tongues and <laughs> saying things. Mm-hmm. So it's basically about <laughs> to get together. They get married basically so they can solve mysteries, and the the conductors kind of explores the shift in that. The undertakers lets to see more of like the dynamics of this full out just being everything together. Right, right. Yeah, I I think what I like most about like the relationship in the book, and I, I think I make this plain a lot. I, I've said it to like, other people I've interviewed with other people I talked to about writing. Um, like I'm not a romance fan in terms of like, romance movies or books and stuff like yeah. that. Um, but I like romance in yeah. books and movies, you know what I mean? Like in the context of the rest of what's going on. And I get it. Like a romance movie, sometimes you just want a story about love, and you want to be all lovey-dovey and yeah. good inside. Like that's fine, <laughs> you know. Um, but I like, to me, like the tension of other things going um, on, bringing people together for that, yeah, feels really powerful. I think that's one of the reason that one of the reasons that uh, Titanic worked way back, yeah. you know, in mm-hmm. the ninety-seven. Um, I think, I think it was. So. Sounds- Sounds like about right. Yeah. Something about that. It's it seems about right. Let's go with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was a very much a romance movie, but it was also very much a tragic movie. Like there was it was the Titanic, you know. Yeah. Um, and and so I think what made it so powerful with that romance is that there was a tension that was like binding them mm-hmm. within a situation that they could not get out of, you know, due to the tragedy that that happened. Um, so like, I really like that in this story there's tension uh dealing with this this mystery and then is when the story moves on you figure out that benji is kind of involved in the mystery that makes the tension even you know thicker you know um there's ways to like i guess i guess one one thing i could ask uh as opposed to just you know me generally talking about it is yeah. what, what what do you think are some good ways to so I guess I guess so in like plot tension, whether it's whether it's, it has to be mystery, I guess it could be any kind of novel, mm-hmm. but uh, or or story. Um, what are some ways to weave in uh, plot ten- tension with character tension? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, first of it starts with building the characters. You have to kind of set what their what the kind of their principles are. Like, what are the things that are most important to them? Mm-hmm. Whether it's like you know, it's not just things like honesty or being trustworthy, but like, you know, things they care about, whether it's like, you know, protection of trees and animals to like their job or certain loved ones, like their their siblings or children, something like that. Mm Establish things that are important to them. And 
sometimes the tension comes when some another character has either either directly goes against that or inadvertently goes against it. And tension, a lot of that, that those, because once you stop, you have to establish certain character traits are important. And that's where you get the reader to get into that tension. Because you, you don't know how much the person really cares about the preservation of these, of robins and sparrows and whatnot. And you don't, you don't build that all. The reader won't care when another character like does something bad, other than just general sense of they're, they're doing the bad things to birds. But you won't, you won't get, you won't really get that connection with the reader between the main, with that, that character, be main character, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this it starts with this just starts establishing about certain character traits, and that way you know when another character says something else, you know that X character, Y character is going to react in certain ways. And you, as a reader, anticipate certain things, even if it's like a minary secondary character, for example. Oh, that's something, that's something really interesting. That's, that's a, that's a good tool to think about. I like to think of like, like writing tips and writing advice yeah. and writing techniques is like a tool that you could yeah. be unaware of that you could pull out when, when necessary. <laughs> so like, um, like that that's a good thing to be conscious of. It's mm. like, well, if I set this character up to have this ideology and yeah. this mindset and, and believe these things or whatever, mm. and there's another character who believes, you know, either perpendicular or directly inverse to that, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, then that you automatically have tension. Um, mm. and, and and maybe you can foreshadow bigger tension later on in the story by having a minor tension like in your intro area, your act one-ish area. Yes. You know, um, and so that's a, that's a really good like I don't think I've ever thought about it consciously like that. I mean I yeah. have thought about like people yeah. like disagreeing, but I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever consciously thought about tension in terms of like, well, when we set this character up this way, we set these other characters up this way, like they're gonna crash at some point, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is kind of funny because it feels like we're like abusing the characters. Like, well, why are you making them this way? <laughs> but if, you, if, you read, if you see a lot of stuff from social media from writers, it's all about making characters cry, making their lives miserable. Because you know, <laughs> having miserable lives for characters is fun to read about. In right. general, I mean, sometimes it's nice to have a nice, cozy story. You know, it's everything's nice and pleasant, but not always, not always kind of fun. You know. <laughs> right. I feel like there's a place for those stories like the, yeah. the cozy ones but i feel like those are like like rom-coms you know yeah there's um, a certain genres um, and the rom-coms even have their moments because at some point in the rom-com the the the, the, the happy couple is gonna look like they're gonna break up for a moment and that's gonna yeah. be sad you know I think I, when i was a kid i i figured out there's i guess i used to call it the sad sad moment in movies like <laughs> yeah. you know like there's like the moment like the the, the, the dark moments of like uh, sad moments of tension and stuff i picked that up as a kid watching these movies like oh this the sad part's coming and but I guess that's like that. That's the. I guess the, a lot of times movies hinge around these moments, and you tend to remember them. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. No. I definitely agree. Like. Like. I think. Um. So like, there's like, there's like, there's like the big one of the big story beats people talk about is the lowest point. Um. Mm-hmm. Then there's your rises and falls, your your yeah. dips, your valleys and what do you call it? Hills and valleys and something like that. There's there's a there's a billion different terms out there. Yeah. But you have your yeah. You definitely have your sad points and. You need the sad points because if everything is going well for a character, something's not going to feel right to the reader, watcher, however they're consuming your story. Something's not going to feel right to them, um, and it's gonna it's either gonna be boring or it's gonna be you know. Uh, I, I think I actually ran into this recently. Now the story wasn't doing this; mm-hmm. uh, they fixed it very quickly after I started to be wary of it. But I was watching um, the anime Demon Slayer, um, and. Mm-hmm early on the main character like wins every fight like <laughs> yeah. almost easily like very easily and i was mm-hmm. like this feels good and everything the graphics are great and i i mm-hmm. love the character like the, the relationship dynamics are really good mm-hmm. but i was like how is this is he just gonna win every fight like you know? yeah. <laughs> um and, and that kind of that's what I, I i thought about that when you mentioned like people like when your characters are sad or hurt or like downtrodden you know (laughs) like I don't want him to get hurt but it's like like the part of you does want him to get hurt you know (laughs) um it makes you feel because it evokes emotion and that's you know that's that's part of like that's a big part of writing is something that evokes emotion of course the story did fix that very quickly yes but I was definitely wrong because that Mm. character does not win every fight (laughs) right (laughs) That's a lot of fighting enemies, though. They they lose a lot of fights because they have to hype up the main stuff at the end. So it yeah. gets you have to suspend your belief after a while. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. I I learned very quickly that uh, I was like, okay, the the reason why he was it's actually clever the way they set that world up mm-hmm. in that. Um, they I think he won a lot of fights early to show that he was really good, mm-hmm. you know, but like way above average or, or whatnot. Um, but then you very quickly like find out that everything that he was fighting was way below like all of it was below the level of the actual danger and when the actual danger showed up like he couldn't even close to deal with it like (laughs) so like that's a good way to that's another way to build like kind of like story tension you know Uh um so but but yeah uh i want to i want to kind of backtrack to we talked about the romantic relationships a little bit uh a minute ago Uh, i also want to talk about like just character relationships uh well actually we did so we so we we hit on tension right um Mm -hmm. because based on characters having different personalities and different personality types or whatnot you may have some a little bit of head button and um you have a lot of that in this book and it works really well because all the head butting isn't like super malicious some of it is just like you get on my nerves you know (laughs) and i love that yes so i kind of want to ask uh first um uh how did you come up with the cast? Because there's a huge cast in this yes. book. Um, and then how did you kind of go about making sure that each member of this cast was unique? And each member had a role that kind of fit like mm-hmm. a slot somewhere, you know? Okay, let's, let's see. As for the cast, I kind of, it builds out slowly. I think it's one benefit, like doing certain revisions or just, they, it's, yeah, it just filled out certain, there's certain roles I wanted had certain characters play. Some of them were there from the beginning. Oliver, for example, was one of the few characters was very was there from the very beginning. Once I started really running the first couple drafts, he was there because he's like, no, he's the body guy. He deals with the deals with all the dead bodies they bring him, and having him just be like slowly very annoyed and just tired of them bringing dead bodies to his house to look at was, <laughs> was a fun little like fun little recurring joke for me yeah, to kind that. of build in there. And okay. like he's like the complaining guy that's still very helpful. Right. Yeah. Every every time. They knocked at his door and he said, You better not have another body. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah another um, character was always kind of in there. Like, but I wanted, I wanted, like, uh, had he had a, a, a kind of a group of friends, like, especially close female friends, in the sense that Penelope was there as the best friend. And, and then it also showed tension within other, uh, other, other, like, a friend group just kind of shifting around a bit that because it's a certain aspects over the years and that was kind of just having making sure they're different personalities different traits and stuff like that and just yeah it was and like you know some of them that still there's also some characters that kind of fill a mentor role that she has like there is an older couple that serves like kind of a, a mentor such parental figures for Hetty and Benji in some respects that like the, this is all part of things in some ways it's not it's not, it wasn't really like building out traits. It's more like this thinking how these characters play a role in Heavy Benji's lives, act, act as foals, and also places where they could have like a potential to be part of the plot. Like Penelope being the, the, the healer, the potions person. It's always this obvious thing. Like, you know, she's going to come in and swoop in with her potions, either to give out some healing and for certain parts of stories. And just also just add like a, be a contrasting lending ear to listening out to certain things. And and also, I guess particularly with the conductors, it's like this since a murder, the murder happens within their friend group, having also there's a potential, probably a potential of their friends being potential murders. And so that adds a little element of a little fun for me as a writer to, to kind of to figure out like it's a little layer of attention to within the friend for the initial friend group. Yeah, I, and I and I was uh yeah I was stumped the whole story trying to figure out the uh, who's the killer, <laughs> um, which is always a good feeling, you know. I was like, um, I mean, I had an idea like when there was a piece of information revealed somewhere in the middle of the story, um, that led to like, you know, what the reveal was at the end, and um, I was like, oh yeah, I thought something about that information, but then I kind of like. I kind of like moved away from it and started thinking about other stuff and so like it caught me off guard later on at the end um which is which is really good um I like uh and I, I really like that like the idea of it very much looking like certain people and in my head I'm like well it can't be this person or this person because that's too mm-hmm. obvious um but then when it got like you still leaned into it more 
to, to a certain uh, couple of characters and i was like well it's gotta be them but then it wasn't them you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that that's always that's always really really fun so given this this huge cast um I'm, I'm sure a large cast also makes doing a mystery uh uh more fun because you have so much to play with and then also you can you can kind of keep your 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 readers guessing um like mm-hmm. it to me um <laughs> uh I, i'm kind of i'm kind of curious when you, when doing a mystery well first of all i gotta ask are you like generally when you write do you do you, do you usually plot or do you pants i always gotta ask that question i i guess in general i have to i let's say i have a, I don't have an idea where i'm gonna end up basically um, I guess I guess since I'm in mind the mysteries most recently, it's just I always I have to know who's the murderer, how they did it, and why. I kind of have I kind of write that down as a way as an endpoint for the most part. But other than that, I have I guess I guess I guess you know basically have the idea of like who the main characters are and some initial background stuff. And I just write for about the first third or so. Then after that, I got to outline <laughs> because I think I ran out of steam of like you know the just an initial setup basically. And I think I have like I think I have a come I kind of come up with a few ideas of what I want to be in the story, like certain scenes. It's always like one big scene I have in there, like what I'm writing towards. Like, I like to say, like there's always like a there's like a big moment I'm just writing towards, and there's and and but yeah, eventually I have to do outline. And I think as I find more often, kind of sometimes even starting out with a bit of an outline helped out. I think I just finished actually just finished out something recently that I did. Oh, that's, that's oh, I can't really say that one because I, I started actually there was a retool of a book I wrote last year, so that's not really that doesn't really count as much for writing. But yeah, and, yeah, I'm, I I guess I'm becoming I'm I'm finding the more benefits of like outlining at least not really like fully outlined, but at least sketching out some ideas of places and this break. I'm also been breaking up the book in parts in a sense. So I'll write oh this is the first part I'm working the first half or first quarter or so. And work on that and just pull out certain things because I guess with well, I guess the way I write is I like to tend to write sequentially. I have to this is what I like to have view everything in certain order. And then can I go back and kind of puff up things? Like I like to get the skeleton of stuff. So it's like I guess I guess it is the simplest way to say for me the first draft is me just getting everything out there. And the rest of the core writing is the revision part. And things change around. I think when I wrote The Undertakers, I had a character who was who who died and came back to life as a, a living character. Then I killed off again once, as I did oh, wow. revisions. Like little <laughs> tweaks like that. Like you li- I literally at one point was, had a real list where I keep this character alive or keep this one dead because based off certain a way I was doing the plots and just rearranging things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, yeah, it's, it's, I, it's, I guess it's not a, it's a <laughs> Yeah, I guess to say, say it simply, I guess I like to, I, I do have to outline certain things. It's especially easier when I'm writing a mystery. When I wrote some things that weren't mystery based, I don't think I'd, I, know I did write, I did have writing an outline, but it came out a little bit later. I had to start writing an outline because I kind of yeah. just went off the steam of this, just certain scenes, more or less. Right, right. Yeah. And like, so the scenes that you had in mind, like mm. beforehand, were they, were they kind of scenes that, helped give the hints and clues like how I guess I'm I'm curious about what what does the clue placing look like when you're writing a mystery um story I guess for me it's just it's it's actually sometimes spur of the moment like I have since I know the new I know where the end since I figure out who who's done it basically I know words when I have certain actors interacting with this character I know where to lead some of the clues and also leave where to lead some red herrings and I, I like to, I like, I figure you have to also be, I, I figure that there's two tenets of a good mystery solving is one is having clues that are, they're not, they're not entirely obvious to read unless they're looking really close because they know their tropes and know their conventions, but having, you have to have these leads tools out there for someone to find when they read back again, they're thinking like, once you review the big reveal and you, they can go back and find out, find it because there's nothing worse than mystery where it comes out of the blue. Like you have no clue of what's going on. Right. The second good right. tenant is having like good red herrings, the diversions, and just ways not to kind of distract you from certain things. You, I don't think it's you can surprise. Yeah, it's it's hard to it's you can probably surprise readers, but it's not it's not good to always try to lean into that harsh surprise mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Because I think I think I find whether it's books or movies and stuff like that, sometimes just knowing the 
not the surprise isn't whether it's like the twist isn't always the best thing about movies like be having satisfaction of seeing it come together like i'm not disappointed to figure out twist is more early on it's more being said i'm satisfied to know like aha that's i i knew the twist was knew this was the twist and being satisfied that was exactly what what it is right right the, the kind of yeah kind of the journey of it all coming together yeah. and, and all making sense um yeah that's 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 yeah i think that's what i need in a, in, a, in a movie more than anything like it coming together and making and, and making sense um, yeah there's nothing there was a book i read a long time ago the the main narrator ended up being a murderer and i was so mad at that book because you see, it was it was a it was a first person narration or something like that. It was really close. You were really with this main narrator, and that main narrator became the was the murderer. And it was like you, I, I hated that. I guess like, I don't like unreliable narrators. Like I'm guessing too, but I was <laughs> I just remember being so mad at the book. I was so glad. I think I picked it up from like a one of those like library book sales or something like that. So I was really glad I didn't <laughs> pay money a lot of money for it. And oh, that's I mean that's a, that was the most livid I've been with the book since I read a book series where they had time travel at the end of the book and it, it basically destroyed it basically made everything else the three other books beforehand not ha- not exist anymore mm. those are the two times I've been really mad at the book so like in those kind of books I mean I, I guess that's what the scary thing about writing yeah. a book like that because it it could be interesting if the narrator turns out to be the um the killer or whatever is yeah. going on um if like the the, the clues were cleverly placed right. enough yeah you know? I think, and that's what i think so what got me was i didn't the clues weren't obvious enough for me to pick up on it mm-hmm. and i guess um, i just said probably i think it was probably the first time i came across a book like that where the narrator main narrator was he was like the murderer who personally did this stuff mm-hmm. so i guess i wasn't used to that and i didn't see any i didn't see any really obvious clues right and, right yeah, and so I think that's a that's a scary thing about doing mm-hmm. mystery in general. Even if you know, even if it's not the narrator, yeah. <laughs> if it's even if it's not the character, it's kind of like you've got you got to make sure. Did I give enough clues to the reader to yeah. figure this out? Uh, to or give you made it chance? too obvious, or it's too obvious, too easy to figure out. Like, it's right. like I guess you could some ways because you're plotting it, so it's obvious to you. Because that's the thing about when you, mm-hmm. especially when you kind of know how it's going to end, so you have to kind of hide under these levels of dirt and twisting twisting distractions about the truth but still make Mm -hmm. it like make it make sense but not make it too obvious because you don't want to and that's i think that's some ways of why you have a lot of lot lot large casting books because you want to make it too obvious after a while it's it's so and so or a danger that's also why i probably think a lot of sleuths don't have a big supporting class because you have like other friends or sisters you know their, their cousins or their children and stuff all as part of the mystery suspects they can't really be suspects because you know especially right. if it's a certain genre of book if it's like a cozy mystery you're not going to expect like a you're, you're someone's like sister or boyfriend or be you in general to be like a be a sus seriously be a suspect especially mm-hmm. in a cozy mystery it's going right. to ruin it's going to ruin the vibe right and yeah so you got to have, and then also the balance of you, because you, if you have a large scoring cast, you have to balance out all the number of suspects and stuff too. If you want to, because you have to have a robust number of suspects, especially if you want to make it obvious. Unless, of course, you're going for more of like a wide dunnit, which I think is more of like, a, it's coming more popular, I think, the more modern mysteries about mm-hmm. like how, like how it happened, why, why is it being done, instead of like really about who it is. Because sometimes you'll get revealed about, like really about who it is. Mm-hmm. So right. I think like, I think that was a thing because I think you've seen Knives Out, right? I have not seen Knives Out. People keep telling me I need to watch that. Oh, it's good. (laughs) I guess good. I don't want to. That's what I was about to. I was about to mention something about it. So I don't want to. I don't like. Yeah, that's that's good. At least I got. I'm glad glad they asked. But, um, but yeah, I guess there's what other examples. Like I can't think of another one. But basically, just sometimes when in some books when you kind of know who the murderer is, Mm -hmm. and you can kind of build. It's finding out how it, how they did, how it managed to happen, get to the certain points. It's some kind of the journey is more interesting sometimes. I think mm-hmm. that's a more modern thing, where it's like the old classic or mysteries and detective stories, more like who did it, and that's that's it basically. And sometimes you get some of the locked room, the shenanigans gets into the, the why and how, but you really you still really care about only about really about the who, and that's what the writer really points to. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean yeah i i do i'm a big proponent of the why they're doing it because i'm like mm-hmm. but 
you killed these people but why did you but why though yeah. like <laughs> like why are you so angry why are you yeah so... i think i read something recently like why they didn't really actually explain why because it basically showed who it is and the book ended like two pages later and it was like i want to know why it didn't make sense to me yeah that yeah i think if i think if that happened in the book and i didn't get an explanation i'd be like oh no don't. I don't, yeah i don't want i don't need a full monologue but like <laughs> just tell me why because it didn't because it didn't make sense why they did it Mm-hmm. Like other than there's some like generic reasoning, but right, right, and I, and I like in this book how the reasoning uh, and conductors it, it turned out to be layered. Again, not mm-hmm. spoiling anything that actually happened in the book, but it turned out to be very layered. It wasn't it wasn't just a oh it was this reason and then mm-hmm. that's why it was like uh, like there's a lot of diversions going on there, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah. So that that was that was really good, and and then, and then the person who did do it, they had a very uh you can understand why they did you know mm-hmm. um on, on on their you can understand on their side it's kind of like oh well dang they've been harboring this this feeling yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but but no um yeah yeah i think i think mysteries are scary i think i think twists if you do a twist mm-hmm. uh it's it, it could be scary because you, you gotta do it right um i have like a love-hate relationship with m night Shyamalan. I, I I don't think Shyamalan's like a horrible writer or anything mm. like that, but also I'm like some of the stuff I'm like why, <laughs> so, um, you know I just I just need I just need the I need the why to be strong enough you know what I mean um, mm-hmm. so like if there's a if there's a twist of something happening and I'm like okay cool that's the twist that's that's crazy that that happened but why if the reason why is weak then i'm i'm already i'm out like <laughs> um, definitely uh but yeah yeah so okay so we talked we talked to uh, a lot about like mystery and a billion towards mystery and it sounded a lot like the way you explained it um the way you explained it it sounded a lot like you uh, are do pantsing um in, in, in a major <laughs> way which is which is interesting because um i think what you the way you described the way that you go, uh, go went about doing this story and maybe some of the stories you've written. Um, I feel like that's what a lot of pantsers end up doing because some, some people say, oh, well, I pants, I, I just pants the whole story. And I'm like, I feel like there's going to be points where you stop and pause and yeah. you restructure things or or at least even if you're not like hardcore outlining, mm-hmm. you're probably stopping at some point and saying, hmm, where am I going with this? You know? Oh yeah, you, you got that. You got to outline and everything like that. And I think also too, since a lot of, I wrote little conductors a lot this, you know, after my day job. So I had, you know, yeah. you know, after evenings and stuff as of spats of moments of like as of district periods of like writing that's mm-hmm. kind of basically writing a chapter out, you know, throughout the week. And when I had gotten like when I would take off from work and have like, you know, just have like the like an entire week off so I can just write all the time. Mm-hmm. It, it was a different kind of writing experience. I could see it all together basically. And right. compared to this, these little chunks, and when you have these little, like the little chunks of writing time, sometimes you, you see more repetitiveness in certain things. So I remembered when I was doing some hardcore editing with the conductors as I got ready for publications, there were so many, some parts that were kind of repetitive. I ended up having, I ended up blending together with certain scenes just to, to trim things up a bit, tighten things up a bit, because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just that's how you, that's how it happens when you're like writing in the moment. <laughs> so that's, and, and right. yeah, I, I, I think there's, I think I always think that the plants and the pantsing and planting all those those terms is like it can it just we, you're trying to like to make like labels certain 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 ways how people write but everyone does everyone does reach into different tools right. and sometimes you get inspired and you just kind of just go off without an outline because you just have this idea pushing your head sometimes you get lost and you have to you need to figure out certain things or you get to a certain point in the story you have no idea where it's going mm-hmm. you're going to go and you gotta you just gotta think about it for a minute and I don't know it just Oh, I guess I guess we like to have like structure because there's like there's like really no rule book about writing. I mean, I mean, there's all these books about there how to write, but everyone's right. making stuff up. Right, exactly. <laughs> we're all we're all just making stuff up. I like, mean, the storytelling is like the oldest thing in the world. Yeah, I mean, it predates paper. You know, people tablets sitting around and, fires and you know, <laughs> people writing on walls, uh, hi- like hieroglyphs and stuff like that. Um, you know, or drawing on walls. You know, it's like. Yeah. Yeah, like it's there's all kinds of the I mean sculptures and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a form of storytelling in itself. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, like uh, the, the last thing I wanted to hit on um, 
because like I like it's it's so elusive to me. I'm scared of this uh, era uh, <laughs> being the 1800s, 1900s. Uh, actually, not that era. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm scared of any era that's like not current. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I don't know how mm-hmm. things were then. I mean, I have an mm-hmm. idea. You know, like a, I I know an 18, late 1800s, early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, like slavery was a thing. Like, let's yeah. be real, <laughs> you know, um, or or the or at least at least during that time period, the after effects of slavery, um, racism, etc. Uh, first of all, I appreciate that those things are hit on in this story because it's just real. I, I love that it's like hit on, like it's a part of the story, and it's also not like the focus, but it's like also just like, but this is history, you know. Yeah. Um. So I I really like and appreciate that. Because I, I hate, hate, hate when there's like a story from that time period. And somehow there is no mention whatsoever of any of that stuff going on. And I'm like, how? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's, yeah, well, this is, it's the thing. It's, a, it's the thing. It's the thing about writing of history. But be glad on the one aspect of it that you, know, you don't know of anything about this time period. I can guarantee most people, we, we don't in general know what, what happened in these different time periods. We have right. a very like a kind of like a surface level idea we don't know how people live day-to-day lives i mean that's why i think that's why a lot of the like stories tend to go with people the rich and the, the wealthy and stuff like that we don't know the average life as like a, a common poor, poor person basically mm-hmm. with all the day-to-day things and it's i guess writing in history is more about so it's more about the sex we don't we're not going to know we're not going to be 100 accurate because we don't know all the little details like if you want to recount modern life tonight today like it's you want all those little details aren't going to be aren't going to be available because we don't write all these things down but so it's it's mostly about when you write it on any time and time period it's mostly about getting the, the big things right you know if you're going to write it in the 1700s don't write about cars <laughs> don't write about like telegrams <laughs> and things like that unless yeah. you got some magic involved and you have to make the magic element really apparent to make sense Mm-hmm. And you know, just don't use modern slang and stuff like that, or things that sound modern and and things like that. Yeah. And, um, and but don't worry, but don't worry about looking up these dictionaries with these slang unless you really <laughs> want the accuracy. Because I mean, I just I just just paid the attention to making sure it's like I'm not saying anything that sounds modern or phrasing my sentences that seem the kind of the dialogue that seems too modern or where they wouldn't say things like that. Mm-hmm. That sort of that kind of feel and just kind of just stop then the worry about beyond that and just hit on the big things and stuff and i mean i do have since i do have magic element books i can say like and i can move up the having bicycles maybe more popular than what have been that that time period because you know magic you know right, or right. have certain <laughs> things but but not making it too obvious because i did pick this time period for a reason mm-hmm. and so i so i try to stay as close as possible but not feel too constrained by certain things and it also helped that the story itself is, you know, it's very much the lives just two people solving mysteries within their personal circles. And so it's not like it's not really going to interact too much with the big events of the of the time period, unless I decided to, to kind of dive into that. And so, but I think it just films you just don't write about things that don't that were really obvious to most read to most like to the average reader. I mean, there's people who really have this uh, this particular era, historical areas that there's as a jam or going to might ding you for it, but as long as you, you know, as long as especially if it's a fantasy story, science fiction, whatever, you may you make those elements apparent, you might be able to get away with it. <laughs> but who knows? Right. But it's also if you're also worried about um the writing time periods in general, I think I remember reading somewhere saying that the nineteen twenties is like the first kind of modern decade. Mm-hmm. Because that's when we had electricity, we had cars, we had a lot of things to recognize, we had phone lines, you know, mm. fashions. It is coming very, it looks like very much it is today, today. So if you want to, if you want to dive into history, like 1920s is probably a good time period to kind of start with. If right. you want to just start historical, because it's, it's very close to this modern, just little things. You just don't have, you know, computers like they are today and cell phones, you know. So. right right yeah that's a i didn't know uh why did, i don't know the. i mean i'm, I'm sure if I wrote, I wrote something in that time period i would have mm-hmm. looked up the, the time period. but i didn't realize it was 1920s when when that kind of age started to kind of boom you know yeah um so i mean that that's that's a really good way to uh, to kind of delineate that mm-hmm. um and uh yeah i mean i really i really do like these historical books and every time i read them like i like yours and um I read Justina's uh, Deathless Divide and um, Dread Nation, um, which is also takes place, uh, I, think it's, I think it's late 1800s, um, 
but yeah like like stuff like yeah. stuff like that it's like i'm always astounded like wow that's really cool i don't how do i write at that time period i'm like i gotta then i tell myself i gotta, I gotta do it i gotta force myself to write like back then you know <laughs> oh yeah you just gotta start it's kind of because i mean i started out writing with just a basic outline of this time from just just drawing on what i knew from like school and this other things i came across in the in the past and just wrote out the story that I went back and did the research mm-hmm. and let that research inspired me to take to add certain things to give certain like texture to to how the world I'm building the world basically right and yeah. I think sometimes you've got to write without doing the, doing copious amount of research because you get you'll get bogged down by the research because I wrote some other stuff that's in a different like, like different time periods and like you know it's I just kind of just had some back, I just had some, just the basics to kind of go with things that, some topics that I was interested in me to write about, then just wrote the story, then went back and let's dive into, just, just found some topics I knew I wanted to really get into. Right, right. Because yeah. sometimes, yeah, it's, 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 it's sometimes you, that's the thing about sometimes with the writing, the research was make you leave you second guessing, so. <laughs> true, true that. Um, yeah, I think there should be a limit to research. I, th- I think research is very yeah. important. But I think there should be like a limit to like, you know, if you if you're going months and months on end and you haven't written anything, and it's just yeah. like, oh, I'm gonna research more. I'm gonna research yeah, you has gotta more. know when to, when to stop. You basically need to know like enough is enough for you to give it. As long as you have you got a good feel, saying you feel confident and stuff. And I mean, in some ways, I like that the research is ongoing. Like I still find stuff about this time period, <laughs> the conductors and under, undertakers, and being like, oh, I could have put this in the book, or maybe with a fit, or just be suddenly surprised something I didn't know actually kind of worked well. <laughs> how it right. felt but in the book like didn't like accidentally got things right you know yeah <laughs> it, I mean there's just so much out there and everything and so it's, it's good basically you gotta know when to stop and just start writing and no one's you when you know and, and just kind of figure out maybe some research could enhance certain what you've written already right. right yeah yeah truly truly um no I mean I, I love that I mean I love I love reading books like I love reading different I mean I love stories in general you know but I, I really love like these different creative takes and you know, like everything can change a story. Anything can change a story. The time yeah. period can change a story. Yeah. The 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 kind of characters, the the genre. This is a mystery. Um, I, I don't think I've ever read, written a or read a mystery in um in this time period before. Um, not definitely not a mystery with magic, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so that's like a really creative thing in and of mm-hmm. itself. Then the type of magic that's being used is different. Like I can imagine there's gonna be, uh, or you could if you wanted to, right several offshoots of this you know um um you could probably even write in different eras i mean your world establishes the celestial and sorcery uh, and- yeah I'd, well i actually way when i first was before i had an agent and everything like that i did several de- like diff- i followed different decades actually oh, because nice. you know i started you know because one i did all the research and i got interested in keeping on with all the books that came fold on later on so I was like you know it was kind of fun I was also curious to see how it worked in different decades and mm-hmm. I had this whole kind of plan of this different books before I got before I got an agent and everything. mostly just for fun for me basically just write them out and so I got to explore how it worked and you know it worked really well and I enjoyed writing those things and so, yeah it's yeah. yeah it's very like but you, basically like I think because I had a good idea of what the, the world is about and had an ideas of what how it could change later on decades and things like that. And I go, that always been curious about like how would technology work with, you know, a modern world. I guess my big my big kind of story I'm, I want to get eventually want to write one day is like kind of like a a second world fantasy kind of set in the modern day kind of world. Like you know, mm-hmm. it's like a an entirely different kind of second world. But like you know, it's like with a lot of magic and stuff like that. But right. you know, you have technology and different things like that. And then but entirely entire, like it's entirely fake, but it's because you don't really see a lot of those things. You see second, you see second world fantasy in books. It's mostly like it's still like you know before seeing them and this before steam basically or and combustion mm-hmm. engines and stuff like that. Just you know not modern technology. It's very there aren't really it's not it's not a popular combination outside and like mostly in books. I think you probably see it in things like anime, comics, and whatnot right. Right. more often. I guess it's probably because the visual appeal of seeing the the, the visual puns of like a magic based it's like you know television and stuff right. like it's, yeah. it's more it's more appealing in that form formats and genre instead of like books for some reason or just certain trends it's it's, it's funny because I, I i actually do have a comic that's on the way that is magic modern world magic you know um and even the artist initially when we started talking about it there but he was thinking like world of warcraft lord of the rings and i'm like no 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 there's 
it's the, those cars, not horses, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, it was, he was it kind of, it took him a minute to wrap his head around it. And he was like, oh, okay, 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 okay. So we're, there's buildings yeah. like, you know, like, you know, like not, uh, not like castles, like there's like yeah. skyscrapers, like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's modern, you know, um, just think of like what the world would be like if there was, if, if magic was implemented um, in mm-hmm. like the modern day, you know? Yeah. Um, so like that, 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 yeah, that's, that kind of stuff is, is very fun to me. Uh, it is, mine is a, is a comic. <laughs> so, so there's another yeah. one that's not in the novel world, unfortunately. <laughs> mm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting that I think because I guess fantasy for so many years was steeped in a lot of the Lord of Rings kind of feel like, you know, mm. it's, you know, there's, they have cloaks and they have, they ride horses around and there's letters and quill pens. Yeah, and yeah. I think the biggest, the funniest thing I found about like this that cloaks are probably not the warmest thing to wear, in general because you know <laughs> it's not like it's a coat where you're like you're really wrapped up and warm. Like you know, cloaks open up. It's not right. like they're hardly that thing to keep you going to keep you warm. But for some reason, like ways. yeah, like for some reason, I just it just seems like in all these worlds of like fancy world, cloaks are what you wear it instead of a coat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, just that's the thing that always amuses me is, is when I was as I gotten older. I, <laughs> and stuff because i guess when i can't like i think cloaks were like you know born. i guess that's the thing that always stuck out to me right right yeah that is that is actually hilarious <laughs> i'm thinking about like star wars and stuff like hmm yeah. <laughs> like uh like I, I well i guess it works on tatooine in the, in the sand i guess if you have a cloak to, to keep the sand out of your face i guess <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> they wore it outside of tatooine too um mm-hmm. but um but yeah no th- so like I mean, I think we've gotten some pretty good value out of this, in my opinion. Um, I, I, I think you've, you've offered some really, really great advice, some really good writing tools. Um, I like to, like the, the last podcast, I, I just talked to Claudia Gray, and she was really big on tools uh, that, that people keep in their back pocket um, for, for writing. And I, and I, and I think that um, you provided some pretty good tools uh, for people to use. Definitely some things that, like, different ways to think about writing. Um, I think a lot of writing and, and writing well come, it, it, it's a lot of being conscious of or being aware of different techniques and then being able to yeah. use them like while you're writing, uh, kind of like pull them, I guess, from your, yeah, I guess uh, that's reiterating the same thing, pull them from your tool bag. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, real quick, is, is there anything that, that you would want to say to any writers out there who are, uh, who are writing maybe they're writing and they're struggling um maybe they're writing and they're gonna hit a deadline uh (laughs) they're stressed or maybe they're new and they're scared to start writing anything you would say out there to to the writers out there yeah when you're the story you're writing is you can always change it you have the power to change at any point it's only you can't change it until it's printed so basically you can keep keep altering it write or just write just things that aren't perfect and because you know you can change it it's not over until it's printed so right yeah that's that's pretty good that's pretty good you can always change it yeah we are like i, I always like to say that we have the power of hindsight like mm-hmm. we, we know how we, we go through the world and like man if i would have only known that back then mm-hmm. you know um up until it's published in your book you can literally do that yeah <laughs> yeah like because you get you get stuck in the mindset i get i still fall in that trap a lot of times because you know i get dead set on these certain beats and like and then they have to be like you know this has to cut this has to be cut has to go has to be changed because mm-hmm. and it's not and it's, i started thinking about it but i realized no one's even seen this book yet <laughs> so right. i can do whatever i want right now right exactly exactly yeah i mean that's that's a really good thing good way to think about it it's like i could do whatever i want um and i know that 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 line is scary to for some people i could do whatever i want but also like because you can do whatever you want you can do whatever you want in different stories too like yeah. i think one scary thing is that people they're like well i don't know what to write because there's so much out there there's so much i could yeah. do I, I could do anything in this story mm. right um it's, yeah maybe you don't want to write a story with a t-rex and <laughs> and pirates or maybe you do mm. i mean maybe maybe it will work i yeah. don't know <laughs> but you can you can put it in you can put them in different stories if you want you know what i mean um and then if you do want to change it you could take it out and replace t-rex with a i don't know a giant dragonfly i don't know uh you can just pretty like like you say you can do whatever you want um so yeah i think that's i think that's that's really good uh really good advice really good tidbit to to put out there um but yeah um i do want to uh 
before you wrap up, make sure that you let people know where they can find you at um, online on social media. And also uh, what can people expect from you in, in the, in the future? Oh, I have to be really vague about the future. It's <laughs> right okay, now. <laughs> there's, there's there's been conversations. So hopefully, I don't know, soon, pretty soon, I could announce things officially. But mm-hmm. you no, know, just always working some stuff, right. everything like that. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's fine on the internet. You could so there's my website, nicole-glover.com. Mm-hmm. I have I have do have a Twitter, even though I've been kind of been busy enough, so I haven't really been too active. But the, the Twitter handle is Nicole Zero Glover. Nice, nice. Okay, yeah. And as usual, you can find me online on Twitter at Fourth Wall. That's uh, it's I V W A L L. You can look up Beyond the Fourth Wall of Writing on all major podcast hosts. That's iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify what have you anywhere you listen to podcasts it's probably there i've actually found my podcast in places that i even know it was there so it's probably there (laughs) um so yeah just look up beyond the fourth wall of writing remember the i-v-w-a-l-l um and yeah thank you so much uh nicole for coming on the podcast really appreciate it having you yeah thanks for having me it was a great great and fun conversation (laughs) awesome awesome yeah and we'll catch you guys next time peace out (laughs) 